0: flushcarecom slash weight She reads.
2: Just why. to take the radio to her. Ready? Ready? Go. Take it away. Hello, and welcome to the European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey.
0: Hello, Snowflakes. Thank you very much for coming. Please. <laughs> um, especially everybody who's... Bought a ticket. Yes. Not got free tickets like all there in there. This is um, a very
2: special episode. This is a podcast live and we're joined by an audience. Prove you're here, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <are> not, not. <laughs> hundreds upon hundreds of people have come along. Thousands. We, we're, <laughs> joined, we're joined by we're some a million people on this march, I can Very tell. special guests. <laughs> We've got 17.4 million in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Let me introduce you um, Lord Adonis, the Thinking Man's Mitchell brother. <laughs> um, the Remainer uh, in chief, we've got uh, Amanda uh, Chetwing cowson from FFS, co founder, welcome. And of course, our very own um, bagpiper, Mr. Alistair Campbell, welcome. Thank you. Um, so, first of all, as always, we'll talk about the news. Then we're going to take some questions from you guys, and we've got some questions from um, folk who can't be here today. And then we will do a little Brexiteer of the Week, I think, oh Steve, we is will, that right? Yeah. Um, but guys, we first. Do, so we
0: do every. If you've not listened to this podcast before, and and you should um, at least once. Um, then we, we sort of we talk about the, the worst Brexiteers of the week, and there are usually a, a, a cast of thousands. If you haven't <laughs> listened to the podcast before, it is a sort of a, it's a groundbreaking <laughs> podcast in many ways, isn't it? It's two well. white middle class men talking about things that they don't like. And the and d- and s- yeah, I think nobody's ever done that before. So we are usually joined by Jerry Scott, it sends who her apologies. Who sends her apologies? She's away this weekend, but we've got great. Uh, a Right substitutes for
2: it. Absolutely. So um, I thought we could start with um, May's statement last night. Alistair, what do you think? What about Labour? No, about May's statement. What about the, it? The <laughs> this is going well, is Slipping it? through <laughs> her fingers. What? The Brexit is slipping
1: through her fingers. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, Don't you want to grease the fingers? She's right. She's <laughs> right. And uh, I, mean, I, I think that the, where I think we are is with the politicians way behind where the public are in terms of what's actually happening. The public, in my, to my mind, know that this is going horribly wrong. And I think actually have already accepted, for all that there's going to be a bit of shouting about it, already accepted that there's probably going to be a long extension. Yeah. And this idea that the country's going to kind of riot you know, if this happens, I mean, it's a complete nonsense. Most people now know this is going very, very badly wrong. And the sooner that the politicians catch up with that, the sooner they will start to make the decisions they need to make to get us out of the mess. Yeah. Yeah. So, frankly, I don't think it matters what Theresa May says at the moment because she's not in charge of events, she's being driven by
2: them. She enjoys the statement though, doesn't she?
3: Well, <laughs> I think my... my. many times
2: has she been out on Downing Street?
3: Goodness me. My former deputy at Number 10, Godric Smith, he sent me one of the... <laughs> he sent me a very funny text the other day, he said, one of the worst side effects of this wretched Brexit nonsense is The utter devaluation of the number 10 lecture, <laughs> 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 and they've been the whole time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely nothing, yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm having the quiche for lunch,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: decided. lasagna and beans,
0: lasagna and beans. Obviously, it would have been chicken lasagna, she would have had, yes, that's, it? Right. that's right. Yeah, she did pioneer chicken lasagna. Yeah, she mm. served the, who did she serve that to? Was that was that was an EU summit, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Sounds and they lovely. wonder, and we they wonder why they hate
2: us, <laughs> <laughs> enjoy chicken our chicken lasagna. lasagna. (laughs) Lovely. Um, Amanda, uh, do you think that um, it's the right thing to do to reach out to Labour or do you think it's far too late?
4: Well, um, I mean, yes, it is too late. It should have happened either in 2016 and if not then, when they lost the majority in 2017, and if not then, literally any other day (laughs) in the last three years (laughs) probably would have been okay. But it is overall the right thing to do. I think for particularly for myself, but also for the absolute vast majority of young people and very much the growing momentum of the country, they just want Labour to walk in there and be like, mm. you've defined what Brexit is now, it's your deal, it's, it's not great, it's actually pretty bad, but whatever, you've defined it. Now just put it back to the people, like get on with it, start preparing for a referendum. we have already kind of got to the stage where we're saying long extension, probably going to happen yeah. let's at least say long extension is going to happen because politicians are in deadlock and the only way to resolve it is to put it back to the public and if well, we've got vote.
2: 80 labour mps i think demanding uh, this morning that that uh, jeremy mm. corbyn d- does ask for that people's vote I, is he gonna i mean have you got any confidence in him uh, well, uh, they're two different questions,
4: but um, I think <laughs> <laughs> to well, some more. But um, I think <laughs> but also, firstly, like yes, it's eighty Labour MPs on a letter. I think everyone knows there's more Labour MPs who will and have already voted for it, even though they've not like signed that letter. Emily Thornbury, like classic example. Mm. But I think is he going to ask for it? Uh, I want to say yes, but I think probably <laughs> not. <I coughs>
3: like, mm. I'm,
4: I'm not convinced. I
3: I've, I've um, uh, I met somebody who. Quite close to Corbyn the other day, Tommy. He's he's absolutely obsessed about this Article 50 revoke petition in his <coughs> own constituency. If there's anybody <coughs> in Jeremy's constituency who hasn't signed it, do it. he mm-hmm. checks it all the time. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> and I was on a train. If you go into my social media feed yesterday, I was on a train going to see Burnley's historic win at Bournemouth (laughs) and this guy came up and sat down to me and I filmed, he he, just started talking and Uh this happens all the time at the moment and this guy, he's a (coughs) lifelong Labour voter in Jeremy Corbyn's constituency and he said that he his friends, his neighbours are never voting Labour again if Jeremy Corbyn doesn't come out and actually fight for a people's vote and look like he means it and I think that is the that is the mood and I think he's got to understand that and I think that you know it's been interesting in the last few months to see, I mean, Emily Thornberry, Mm. a few months ago, she would not have written that note that she wrote (coughs) the other day. John McDonnell, a year ago, would not have been in the position that he's in now. Tom Watson, I can remember, you might remember on Peston, I was on Tom Peston trying to persuade Tom Watson to support People's Vote a year ago, and he was very, very dismissive. Mm. Uh, He's now on the platform. So this is moving. And, you know, I think eventually you have to kind of wake up and just go with it.
2: Andrew, do you, do you agree? Do you think Labour's position is, is shifting? Well, if you want to um, hear the voice of Islington and come at
1: 2.30 to St Stephen's Church, Canonbury Square, where well, I'm speaking, for free. And there's, you, don't, you don't need an <laughs> extension, 12.50. Come and... Hear. It's, it's 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 very and I'm not done. taking it's my bagpipes. Yeah, <laughs> <and it's laughs> bonus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sold out, and I've invited Jeremy and Emily both to come. They might turn up, who knows? But the key thing is that on this petition is that apparently more people have signed it in Islington North than voted, than voted for Jeremy at the last election. So we're getting to a stage now where this cascade effect is becoming uh, uh, really big in politics but my golden law of politics is never never Alistair hates this but never never pay attention to what politicians say it's the policy and what they do that matters because words are are an artificial construct in the the front of what actually matters which is what happens now what has actually happened in the last two days the only thing that's happened that really matters is the Prime Minister on Friday morning wrote to Donald Tusk and in her letter to Donald Tusk, in defiance of everything she had mm. said to Parliament in the previous yep. two weeks, she applied for a three-month three extension mm. to the Article mm. 15 negotiating period. But she did two other things too. She also said we would hold European elections if on we the 23rd have, if we of May. To. But her hope was she would. could get her deal through by the 22nd of May so she could cancel the elections. Now, no, those are the, the things <laughs> that have actually happened. Now, what do they mean? Good news the government is going to obey the law. Now, this is, ama- is an amazing statement at the moment. You're never quite <laughs> sure. <laughs> <where the President laughs> <is gonna laughs> literally, day by day, she, might, she seems to choo- pick and choose which law she's going to obey. She is going to obey the law. There will be European elections. Because it is now not completely inconceivable, because we never quite know what uh, the Labour leadership might do, but it looks very, very unlikely that her deal will go through by the 22nd of May. So. Fact one, there will be European elections on the 23rd of May. So get going, get organised. If you're in a political party, make sure that the right candidates are selected. And we need a common front. We need a people's front. We need a popular front, whatever you want to call it, for all of the parties (laughs) and groupings who support support continued membership of the European Union. We do not want Farage (laughs) rampaging with his Brexit party Uh, Uncontested. (coughs) The second thing that's vital is, of course, it's not possible to hold a referendum by the 30th of June. Mm. Theresa May knows that. So when she says she's reaching out and all these these Mm -hmm. other words, they are words signifying nothing. She is not reaching out at all. What she is doing is saying that she's reaching out because President Tusk and others, I said, for God's sake, Theresa, at least pretend that you like people other than the members of her own cabinet, actually she only likes about (laughs) half of them, uh, and and have some kind of outreach. But she's not really doing an outreach. What she's really trying to do is to corner everybody into voting for her deal, and not allowing space for a referendum. She is now relying on the real leaders of Europe, Chancellor Merkel, President Macron, Uh, The Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar, telling her that she has to do her job as Prime Minister in the crisis that we're in at the moment and apply for the long extension, which she herself told Parliament ten days ago she would apply for. And what's the long extension? It clearly has to be nine months to a year, which crucially is long enough to hold a referendum. So what do we need Theresa May to do? We need her on Monday to come back to Parliament to withdraw that letter that she sent on Friday. And by the way, the letter is a complete disgrace because she deliberately sent it on Friday before the Oliver Letwin bill becomes law, mm. and the Oliver Letwin bill would have mandated her to apply for a long extension. She needs to withdraw that letter, she needs to do her job, she needs to apply for a year-long extension, and none of us should be here in meetings like this at all over the next six weeks because so we'll be campaigning flat out
2: for the European elections. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, no obviously there's a round of applause. That I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> uh, Alastair. If I can go back to you quickly, you d- do you think that there's an element as well of uh, the Prime Minister trying to implicate Labour in, in, you know, a potentially messy Brexit by getting them in now, trying to, you know, hoping that Jeremy dips his hands in the blood?
3: Yeah, I think so. But I mean, look, she, I would have taken this seriously if she'd have done one, of a couple of things that she's not done. The first thing is that she the first that Corbyn knew this was coming was when he saw it on television mm. the same as the mm. rest mm. of us yeah. <coughs> if that was a serious grown-up move to try to get Labour to help her resolve the crisis she would have squared him she just said look Jeremy this is very embarrassing and a bit humiliating for me but this is what I'm going to have to do and I hope you mm. won't just reject it out of hand instead of which she literally locked the cabinet in the cabinet room yeah. with their phones confiscated so they couldn't Sort of text all their journalist friends, all the ones who are at the moment running their little leadership campaigns for them. Mm-hmm. And then she went upstairs and she announced it on television. The second thing was that everything I've heard, and, you know, we're, all, we're quite well connected in these circles. Uh, there are still people in Number 10 that Andrew and I used to work with, and we can find out what's going on. And likewise, on the Labour side, we're quite well connected. These talks were literally a dialogue of the deaf my sense is that on both sides, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn neither said anything that we haven't heard them say a million times on television, right? So there's no give and take there. And since then, uh, everything you hear from the Labour side in particular is that they're basically saying, this four-page letter basically says, it dresses it up in a different order and it sort of, you know, puts a little bit more emphasis on point A as a as opposed to point B, but they're basically saying, could you please support mm. Theresa May's deal? Mm. That's it. Well, that's not going to happen. So I just, I don't, think it, I don't think it goes anywhere. I also think the other thing she could have done and should have done if this was serious, she would have consulted him about the letter to Tusk. Mm. Absolutely. And she didn't. So mm. how can you have, when the, when the Europeans have been saying, and the thing about the Europeans, I mean, you know, I talk to a lot of these people, and they are absolutely at the end of their tether. It is amazing that they're still so patient with us, because we have caused them so much trouble talk to the German business organisations. So we've wasted four billion pounds preparing for a no deal that she now basically says it was never going to happen. And they didn't believe us anyway. Well, the Germans and the rest of them around Europe, they've spent billions as well. Mm. Mm. And they're now looking, I mean, if I were the Europeans, I'd be Mm. trying to get this lot to court for the money that they've been forced to waste. So they are still incredibly patient with us. But I think Andrew's right, what's going to happen on Wednesday, is they're going to be saying, listen, Teresa, what we respect as leaders in other leaders, we respect other leaders who can deliver the things that they say they're going to do. You've not been able to deliver anything that you said you would. So I'm afraid we're going to have to set this plan out for you. Mm. We've asked you for a clear, credible plan. You haven't given us one. Here's one. Take a year. Take two years. Take as long as you need. Mm. Sort it out. And what we know is that what you've done so far doesn't sort it out and they don't need to say this but we know the only ways they are going to sort this out it's not an election because an election solves nothing particularly with our politics it is now it's either a genuine compromise around the customs union which i think is politically impossible or it's a referendum mm. Mm. and it's got to be a referendum between remain mm. and a credible negotiable deliverable form of brexit mm.
1: yes that's what you're going to do
3: mm. C- can i tell you the length of
1: the extension of article 50 i think is desirable at the current juncture 600 years <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're all fine because then we can all just go away and forget about the whole thing
2: amanda y- obviously you in in your role speak to a lot of young people and um, and uh, 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 and represent that side of um of, of the um of the Handle young people's today. divide <laughs> that um that, <laughs> uh, that obviously is desperate for a, for a people's vote they must just look on and despair at these old people locked in a room trying to sort out this mess. Uh, well not, yeah. us. not us. Not not us. <laughs> uh, not us. <laughs> Although that is sort of true. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> and I, I mean, yes and no. So, I mean, obviously, the thing that I kind of try and take a mm. bit of a temperature check from is our, like, WhatsApp groups that we have of, like, yeah. campuses, like, national ones, people who do media for us, etc. And it, honestly, it just... Switches massively between everyone just losing their minds with laughter at what is going on to people posting in there saying, Oh, my mate's actually still in Spain on Erasmus. Does anybody know what's going on Mm. next week? And everyone's like, Well, no. So that's always a bit awkward. But I think people are genuinely like the frustration that young people have got is that one, this whole thing is completely and utterly not even London centric, just SW1 politics and EastEnders episode going on inside the cabinet room of number 10. Mm. And it's so far removed from the conversations that we actually want to be having Mm. about, like, climate change or knife crime or any of these, like, really big topics. And, like, yes, Brexit is huge and it dominates everything, but it's also so... Boring. Like I did not start a campaign to talk about a customs union because that is really dull <laughs> and it just is irrelevant in like the day-to-day lives of people. But it also plays on your mind so much because you know that it's so important. And like that's why it's never a surprise to me that so many young people, in particular, the kind of over-ish two million people who have turned 18 since the referendum, yeah. want to remain because you see that the world is going in quite like a scary, sometimes direction, and you're literally taught the best way to solve problems is to work collectively. And here we are, shutting ourselves away <coughs> as a tiny little island, taking away our vote to voice and veto, whatever that expression is. And you've just got MPs who literally refuse to talk to young people. They won't come to colleges with us. Mm. They won't debate me on the radio. I'm not particularly scary. I'm not an expert in things like trade and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, have John Redwood and people saying, no, I can't come on BBC Five Live, I'm not going to go on the same time as a young campaigner, Mm. which is just a disgrace. Like It's 2019, get over yourself. You can have a (laughs) conversation. If there's
2: (laughs) been one good thing that's come out of Brexit, is it that engagement of young people in politics, do you think?
4: I mean, uh, clearly I think so. And I think the movements that we have seen with some of the groups that we have in colleges and apprentice providers, so those groups of people who are often kind of ignored, really, has actually been huge and it has been really quite fundamental. It's the Mm. reason that some MPs are so strong in their support for not only having a referendum, but for having the option of remain. So Rosie Duffield obviously represents loads of students in Kent and Canterbury. Mm. Spoke to them loads, worked with them loads, and now she's one of the biggest advocates for Labour mm. sticking to their party policy. Mm. I, I, th-
3: I, th- I think it has been great, but on, that, on the other hand, I think, um, I mean, Andrew and I do a lot of talks in schools and universities and stuff, and um, I still feel it's quite low level compared to what I would like it to be in terms of, you know, the, the y- 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 it still feels a too polite to me. Uh, and I'm not sort of advocating sixty <laughs> <60's laughs> riots <laughs> stuff, right? But you a I sixteen. <laughs> no, seriously, you sort of go to places, and it's almost like you have kind of almost academic discussion. Mm. And so that, and and I'll tell you what's happened that really, really pisses me off with it, particularly with fucking BBC, <laughs> 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 is that they th- they constantly do this thing about the anger of the right, you know, the mm. anger. And, you know, we now go mm. to stoke we yeah. now go to yeah, yeah. accrington and we find four blokes in a pub who are really 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 pissed off and they're going about the metropolitan yeah. elite and blah 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 but there is so much anger out there about the fact that we've got a useless incompetent prime minister and a useless incompetent government doing something that they know is going to damage the country mm. yeah mm. and i think for your generation um i'd like more I'd, I mean, you guys, one of the best things about the campaign has actually been working with these kind of guys, the, the younger people who. You know, it's not just the fact that they know more about kind of social media and stuff, but it's just—I think that intergenerational thing has just been very, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Can and I, tell you, can I tell you my
1: fact of the day? Go there on. was a wonderful thing on Twitter a few days ago. It said, "What would happen if only 18 to 24-year-olds yeah, yeah. voted <laughs> yeah. in an election? Yeah. Yeah. There will be three Conservative MPs. <laughs> All of them would be called Davis. Yeah. So they were, There's a You can work out which one. Uh, but let's not be complacent, because the big danger at the moment is complacency. Yeah. The, Another fact, the Electoral Commission reported two weeks ago that a quarter, a quarter of 18 to 24 year olds are not even registered to vote Mm -hmm. at the moment. So it's not just a case of those who are on the register aren't voting, Uh, nearly um, a a quarter aren't even on the register. They all need to be on the register. We need a massive act of political mobilisation. If we have got European elections in seven weeks' time we need all young people on the register and we need them all out there voting for what is the national interest and their own self-interest. Because when I do these talks that uh, Alistair's referring to with uh, students up and down the country, they are aghast. It's one of those ones where the more they understand about Brexit, Mm. the more concerned they are. In particular, as they come to realise that their right to live, work, travel, love, settle across 28 countries, which they can do as citizens of the European Union at the moment, is going to be reduced from 28 to 1 with Brexit, a real sense of horror uh, sets in. And as one of them put it to me in a meeting recently, we hadn't realized that this Brexit thing means that we're going to be shut up on a small island with Jacob rees <laughs> Boris Johnson, and Nigel Farage. Now, actually, none of us want to be shut up on that small island, <laughs> but they've got longer to live on this island uh, with them. So we need that. The other thing we need, again, always focus on the policy that really matters. We have got to get votes in the next referendum for 16 yes, and 17-year-olds. Their future is more at stake than anyone's. They cannot be sidelined again. And it's really interesting, because when I was minister for schools 10 years ago, I was doing loads of talks then in schools then young people sixth formers weren't particularly politicised I used to ask them whether they wanted to vote then a majority weren't either fussed or, yeah. or against mm. now almost every hand goes up they know their future is being trashed mm. they know it's being done to them they want to Take back control, and they're absolutely right. And we need them to be really engaged, and we need to mobilise them. And organisations <coughs> like Our Future, Our Choice, FFS, are hugely important because the only way to mobilise the young is for the young to mobilise the young. Yeah. That hasn't happened in the last generation.
3: It needs to start now. I remember when, when we had the Scottish referendum, and the, uh, there was legislation for 16 and 17 year olds to vote. And my daughter, who's uh, she's now 23, so that she was kind of around that age, or you know, maybe a bit older. And I can remember saying, you know. Why, why are you so, to me, why are you so keen on 16 and 17-year-olds? You've met loads of my friends. I mean, they don't know anything about politics. <laughs> and I said, OK, fair enough. She's changed her mind, by the way. But I said, fair enough. But come on, I'm going to introduce you to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, mm. 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds. And a lot of them know even less. Yeah. And I think the best thing about the Scottish referendum was this sense of energy that young kids gave it. Yeah. It, it was really Absolutely. kind of, you felt it going around the streets, you sort of, you go on trains and buses and walk into the office and you've got sick kids in the school uniform We were talking about nuclear weapons and welfare reform and, and all this sort of stuff and that's what we've got to get going because if we, if we just have a sort of parliamentary media debate, then it's so loaded yeah. against our side of the argument, yeah. you saw that in the coverage of the two marches, Mm. We get yes. a march mm. with like, you know, I don't mm. care whether it was half a million or a million, it was a fuck of a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> and they get a sort of, you know, ragbag who managed to fill Parliament Square with Stephen Yaxley-Lennon parading mm. under a false name and mm. Farage on the other stage. And yet you yeah. look, there's a great yeah. piece in the in the paper this week actually by Liz Gerrard. The, cov- the different coverage of those two events yeah. is extraordinary. So it's loaded against yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. unless we get that young generation out there active campaigning mm you know we're starting from way back and so we've got to you know we've got to get them really involved
4: and the thing that ties those two points together like the one thing i'm beyond proud of of ffs is there has not been a single media request for a single obscure postcode where we've not been able to provide an yeah. eloquent young person from there who is a pro people's vote campaigner who knows who their local mp is and can go on the media and actually hold themselves and hold the argument yeah, uh-huh. but the number of times we have that person and then with 5 minutes to go any of the big media channels will turn around and be like, oh, don't worry, we've got... Oh, we've got, got John Redwood. Yeah, we've got the mm. MP. But we've got Ideas. Yeah. We've got yeah.
3: own Patterson. Literally, yeah. and I
4: think, actually, if you have a referendum, or when you have a referendum, and if that's when you finally get votes from 16, the accountability that has to be put on the media to actually trust young yeah, people absolutely. to be able to say <coughs> their own opinion in an eloquent way. Like, I'm not struggling. It's not hard to say what you think. And mm. it just yeah. infuriates me beyond yeah.
1: that. Yeah. I've, I've got a new idea for you. Go on. What we should have in the <laughs> referendum is, is age-weighted voting you <laughs> say, so I'm on the age-weighted voter. <laughs> those who've got the long, biggest stake in the future should have more votes. So I'm worth
3: it. I, I, you. I, <laughs> I sure. <laughs> anyway, you are the person who said you should think about the policy. <laughs> right? know that is not a yeah, just, through it's policy. It's, it's just an back, idea that if came into
1: your head If you go back a century ago, property owners, they had two or three votes. I think young people should have three or four votes, guys they've got far more at stake in the future than my colleagues in the House of Lords who are average age
2: 75 no chance of getting any property we're going to take some questions from you guys very shortly but I think we've got some on social media as well Steve we've got
0: we've got loads here and I will try to uh, condense them. the the I think the number one thing that we got most uh, about and we we get this an awful lot on the podcast too is um, uh, our variants of these so um, so why doesn't the government and the press properly talk about the irregularities with vote leave uh, and leave eu uh, numerous variants of that kevin keith uh, that was from faith and fury faith and fury i yeah, don't know, I don't know. Uh, I like uh, kevin kevin keith said what do you think the top 3 findings from the inevitable public inquiry into Brexit will be. There's other ones. Oh, somebody said, will you all pledge to visit Boris Johnson in prison? Uh, or, or <laughs> no. So no to that no, one. No,
3: absolutely not. Uh, Kevin Keith, by the way, works for me, so that's a bit of an in Yeah, And if you get next week's new European, his uh, he gave me the idea of writing for next week about the outcomes of a public inquiry. So he's obviously. Well, you there read about uh,
2: it next week then.
3: I think, but listen, Andrew and I have been banging on about this for ages. I mean. I've been, it, it will I've been the victim of come. public. They're very heavy, mm-hmm. right? When you have to give up your emails or your notes. In my case, I had to give up my diaries, The one of the public inquiries I was They've at. They got so bored. These people had to read. I mean, they had to read all five <laughs> volumes. <laughs> He's cruising, isn't he? He is cruising. No, sir, but I think that this, the, you, you've got to understand as well the civil service, <laughs> who, at the best of the civil service, are brilliant to work with. And I think the way that they've been traduced and maligned, the way Theresa May has not stood up for them, they will have made sure, I'm pretty sure, that they have set out in paper very, very clearly Mm. all the advice, Mm. all the policy options, and all the things that might go wrong. And I think that if I was, I think one of the reasons Theresa May actually deep down knows that no deal just cannot be allowed to happen, is because there is such a welter of Mm. papers recommendations that will be, before any public inquiry, that the question will be, how on earth did you allow this to happen? Mm, And I think the question is, even now, how on earth did you allow it to get Mm. this far? Did you notice the cabinet
1: secretary wrote to the cabinet? And there was was a reason why he did it in a formal letter, warning them about all the dangers of no deal on the day when they were considering whether to do it. They're getting really, really worried. And they're right to be worried, too. Because let's be clear, if people's lives are trashed, and they will be if this no deal thing goes ahead they have a right to blame the government. this idea it's, it, you see it makes me genuinely angry this this no deal thing from the beginning has been a bluff mm. but it's been a bluff which as alistair said cost a 4, four billion in direct cost to the taxpayer and billions in, in costs to individuals here and abroad have all had to prepare for it, and that is even apart from the effect on people's mental health and what it's going to mean to them, these are people who don't know whether they're going to be able to carry on living in the country in six weeks time, actually I say six weeks time, six days time now where we are at the moment. They have a right to expect that their government will not commit acts of harm against them, and what's been happening over recent months is a systematic trashing of the national interest Mm. and acts of harm. The fact we will not even guarantee the rights of EU citizens living here in their entirety is to my mind utterly shameful and reprehensible. So this public inquiry is definitely coming, and uh, I think some some people's
3: careers will quite rightly be ended as a result of it. Can I... Uh, and, and, and possibly Johnson would be able to give evidence from jail. That would be good. Yeah, on a video link. On yeah. video <laughs> link yeah. from yeah. Belmarsh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the have I got news for you? <laughs> 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 um,
0: the, the second most asked question, which I, w- I think, uh, Amanda, you should talk about first, I- is, um, and loads and loads of people have asked this, uh, and we've touched on it earlier on, so what should be the, what should be the rules... Of inclusion in a second referendum so what should the electorate be and what should be the remain strategy in a in a second referendum
4: uh, well I mean I think actually they're almost the quite a similar answer yes. for both I mean the rules we've all already said it like votes at 16 is just a It's just a must. It feels obvious. It would feel obvious to me. but everyone There's such
3: resistance to it by the Tories.
4: uh, uh, But they'll put some Tories in a really interesting position. Nikki Morgan is a huge advocate of votes at Mm. 16. When you get a referendum, what on earth is she going to do? What's she going to say then? Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, votes at 16 is an absolute must. And the reason is because, as everybody actually here agrees, the voices of young people have not only been shut out of this since pre-2016 referendum, Mm. but they continue to really push against having young people involved, and what should the campaign for staying in the European look like? It should be led by people from outside London, who are young, who have got their mm. whole life ahead of them, who are diverse, who aren't all men, who are apprentices, they're in colleges, they're young single mothers. It should be the people who actually represent what mm. the majority of this country look like and relate to. And yeah. but the majority I of the country
3: are not young single mothers.
4: No, but they're part of a wider collective of people who are shut out of the conversation. (coughs) And Alistair and I have had this conversation before. It's not about limiting the voices who can lead a campaign. It's about bringing in extra voices. We're not short of media channels Mm. in this country. It doesn't Mm. have to be the same, you know, I'm going to say it, male, pale and stale MP trotted around all the big media outlets. You Mm. can get, like, the young black apprentice from the welsh valleys on the media channel as well everyone's got the connections to do that but it is going to take the work of some of the people already involved including myself mm. to make sure those voices are put to the forefront
1: mm-hmm. quite a few people who are coming to the front though aren't actually uh, on that stereotype i mean i i, I love caroline lucas
4: yeah, i never thought yeah. i'd
1: say this particularly in the presence of alistair <laughs> but, but i think Nicola sturgeon has played a blinder through this too jess phillips is fantastic lots of people are coming to, to the fore, and we want more of them who aren't from this kind of Brexit, middle-class, that kind of Etonian-type stable. Mm -hmm. And I think the more of that, the better. And we need young leaders out there as well. But I also
3: think Amanda's point is important about the the media... uh, I mean, Brexit was a failure of our politics, but also a failure of our media. And we talked about that you had all the questions about the vote-leave criminality. Uh, and I actually found maybe nice about there's a journalist there, Jim Fitzpatrick from BBC Northern Ireland who did a brilliant documentary about the DUP and the dirty money, right, which I don't, was it even shown on national television? On the news channel. On the news channel, on the news channel, right.
2: We covered it in the paper. Well, why?
3: Because it was, because it was, it was really challenging and it was difficult and I, one of the things that has genuinely shocked me about this last few years is how Theresa May, former Home Secretary, tough on crime, and Jeremy Corbyn, Uh, who's, you know, meant to be all about clean politics and all the rest of it, have literally shown zero interest in this Mm. whatsoever. None just mm. have never raised mm. it. But mm. the more worrying thing is the police still haven't even concluded
1: their investigations. But the I think it's, a really, lead, it's a really, really serious problem that n- that more than two and a half years after the referendum, we still do not know where that 8 million from Aaron Banks yeah. came from. Mm. We know he didn't have the 8 million, I mean that's now been established. Where did it come from? Because that is the largest donation that has ever been to mm. a political campaign mm. in the history of British politics. We need that resolved before we get the next referendum and people <coughs> engaged <coughs> illegality in the last referendum it be it should be cleared off the field before the next one
3: That's <laughs> Johnson all of those directors of vote leave two of them, they're talking about the being Prime Minister uh, they ran the campaign which broke the law yeah. Yeah. and when was the last time you saw any journalist Boris Johnson can go on any mm. media outlet he wants, he never gets asked about it I also I just, so I think yeah. it's been a failure of politics, yes. but it's also been a failure of media.
1: I also think we should pass a special law after the next referendum, when we've ended this Brexit thing. Anyone who has attended Eton College should be banned from public <laughs> office I for life.
4: Agree. I 100% agree.
0: We we're could not agree with We're somebody. fine, aren't we? Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: one, one more <laughs> before
0: we turn it over to, to everybody in the room. There are uh, numerous questions about Theresa May. Somebody asked where she would rank in the rankings of the worst prime ministers of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think would be pretty pretty high, (laughs) high, (laughs) or low, depending on on where you look at it. Somebody asked what Theresa May's biggest single mistake has been. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked what advice, if you were Theresa May's spin doctor, what advice would you give her? And somebody else uh, asked um, if you were being strictly fair and not wanting uh, a Labour victory, who should be the next Conservative leader and therefore probably the next Prime Minister? So pick well, the bones out of those. I mean, the, as this gentleman knows, because he was sitting there reading it,
3: uh, I've written this week's New European the speech I think she should have made last week, and I do think, I mean, at the moment, so you'd what have about Burnley in that Theresa. May there was speech, a bit about her? She <laughs> did mention Burnley, yeah. <laughs> but the, she would rank very, very low down at the moment. But there is still at a way out bottom. for her. There is still a way out for her mm-hmm. if she actually decides to lead the country to the right place. If she actually says, if she stood up now and said look, I have to accept my deal's dead, but you, people like us, have to accept that the referendum happened, and what I think we should do now is that I should cease to be a player in this process, I should become a referee, we should have another referendum, we should take time to have it. Yes, you can do Remain as, and Reform is one of, the the, one of the, the the ideas, but over here, you Brexit people, go away and deli- and bring up, agree, You can take time for a conference on it. You can do a draft green paper and you can turn it into a white paper. You have to come up with a deliverable, negotiable form of Brexit. And we then put that back to the people. I think if she did that, she'd salvage something for herself. Instead of which, she's just sort of hanging, clinging to this deal which everybody else knows is dead. (laughs) While she does that, she's mm. had it. What yeah. was Theresa May's biggest mistake going into
1: politics? Clearly. I, forgot, yeah. I, mean,
0: to, I forgot to say I wanted you to sing your answer as yeah, well. In uh, uh, so.
1: her whole career has been one long catastrophe, hasn't <laughs> it? The worst Home Secretaryship in recent yep. in recent mm-hmm. times. The, the this hostile environment, which I think is really, really uh, terrible. I mean, you know, p- the, millions of people whose lives have been made a misery because of this wind mm. rush. And then, as Prime Minister, every move that she has made has been yeah. deeply antagonistic to the national interest, all the way from the beginning, including even, because it it wasn't, to be fair to her, her fault that we got the referendum result, that was Cameron calling the referendum, but what did she do? She established a Brexit means Brexit position, which was totally undeliverable, and then said, in what must be one of the worst slogans in modern British political history, that... uh, Uh, That a a bad deal that no deal is better than a bad deal and well it's abundantly clear now that no deal is utterly utterly unthinkable, Mm. so there was a total failure to think even two steps ahead at every stage, the thing she could do that would most contribute to resolving this issue at the moment is to resign I don't agree with that
4: so I don't, I don't agree
1: with that. Who, does, who replaces Any, it? Anyone yeah. who's vaguely competent, because no, at the moment no. she's not capable well, of fulfilling listen, functions the, functions the, of her the, the
3: next. The next leader gets chosen by the Conservative Party, and I'll tell you, these MPs, you hear all this talk, well, we'll make sure Johnson's not on the ballot. Johnson will be on yeah, the ballot, yeah. in my view, yeah. and if he gets on the ballot, he'll win it. Yeah. So I think be very, very careful of what you wish for. I do not think she should go. She's utterly useless. That is... To our advantage.
0: <laughs> Amanda? So,
4: I s- slightly different take on it. I think the worst thing that she's done has been using EU nationals as like a bargaining chip and yeah. properly, like properly capitulating <coughs> to the rhetoric of like far right politicians, both in her party and kind of mm, without, because mm. that was some of the worst stuff that happened during the referendum. Mm-hmm. It was some of the most alienating language towards some people who have literally lived there. The whole lives. Yeah. Like, lived here, they're part of our communities, they're part of my team apart from anything at FFS. And I just think that when she did that, she properly bent a knee and just gave a blank script to people like Farage and to a certain extent, Johnson and everyone as well, mm. to continue going around, not only peddling the lies, but actually making people who are a valid part of our community <coughs> feel like they had to mm. go home. And yeah. it just, it, to me, that was just one step too far. And I think that is actually, Despite all of the lies that were told in the referendum, I mm. think if you ask the majority of young people and college and university this students, is that is the one thing that they'll
1: pick up mm. on. Mm. Okay. We are a terribly governed country at the moment. <laughs> I, I mean, it, <laughs> is it really is. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, it's not just that we're a laughing stock. People look at us as if we're a kind of, uh, you know, uh, 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 an anthropological experiment <laughs> at the moment from abroad. They can't
3: believe it. Another do th- example of that is the fact that Northern Ireland, right, where the DUP have had such a hole in this process, they haven't even got a government. Mm. Yeah. They yeah. can't even, mm. they ca- these guys can't even run the place. Yeah. It's been run by our friend Sue Gray from the Cabinet mm.
2: Office, who at least is competent, I'll give her that. OK, shall we throw it open to the floor then? Yes sir, in the... Uh, in the yes, you sir? Microphone. Oh, microphone. It's oh, a wow. podcast,
3: you have listeners you know. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, well. <laughs> Thanks very much, um,
0: my question is about the polling, uh, if you look at the polling, No Deal actually ranks pretty high yeah. and I'm just wondering why that could possibly be because it's obviously a disaster.
3: Well I think, I, think it's bec- I think there's all sorts of reasons in that, I think No Deal is okay has become the sort of, some people believe that, fine, let them believe that, we, we happen to think they're wrong, but I think it's also become the this is a mess, this is a total mess kind of option. What I think it also is showing, it goes back to the point I made earlier about what the real country the choice should face is, is that this kind of, anything that suggests a sort of mush in the middle, Norway, Common Market 2.0, Theresa May's deal, anything like that, the public are just not having it. Uh, And I think they're right not to have it, by the way. I think we do actually have to make a proper decision. Are we staying or are we leaving? And we didn't really have that debate in 2016. So, if you think about people who are being polled now on that question, anybody who, thinks, anybody who thinks that this is a mess is likely to maybe go that way, anybody who thinks, as a lot of people do, we voted and we should just do it, they're going to be in that position. Added to which, a lot of the focus now, if you've got the government, the opposition, most of the media saying, this has to happen, right, then if that feels like the only way that it can happen, Then it's going to do better in the polls. I don't get scared by that because I actually think we need to get into a referendum campaign where we have an argument that we can really, really shoot down. And whereas last time we were sort of doing a status quo thing, so I, I, I think it's, it's kind of, it's worrying on one level, but I won't worry about it too much.
2: Anyone
4: else? Well, I think there's another aspect to it, and it kind of goes back to what we've said a couple of times now, is that a lot of the media let people like Farage go on LBC, he's got his own show, Mm. and he can just go on and say Mm. anything he wants, completely unchallenged, he doesn't have to take calls from anyone who he, one, knows is going to disagree with him, or two, that he doesn't want to talk to if he doesn't Mm. want to. Mm. And they're the kind of people who go on, and they parade themselves as, like, the champion of the... northern working class or the people in Cornwall who are disillusioned that Mm. they've only ever had a Conservative MP etc and he can go on and he can just continue saying what he's been saying for years which is no deal is the best way to show the establishment that you're bored of them and I think actually a problem is some from North Cornwall people are super bored of anybody who's even close to the establishment and therefore you have somebody constantly saying to you no deal is the way to show them that you're bored so I mean if you have no agency of your life. Why wouldn't you go for the
1: most extreme option? But, but also, the problem we've had all the way through this is straightforward lies are told and unchallenged, yeah, particularly yeah, by yeah. the BBC. Let's be clear. If you hear all the time on the LBC and the BBC that the consequences of no deal do you don't need to worry about, it's all fine and it's all a political yeah. stitch up, that in Ireland it's all going to be fine. We can have this frictionless border in the cloud and this idea that there are going to be border controls is just another lie being told by the, the Liberal Metropolitan League. People do come to believe it. But it is a lie. It is untrue. The government spent most of last year publishing studies on what would happen with No Deal, you know, the six weeks of medical supplies, uh, the health secretary buying all the world's fridges, the fact that there would be hard border arrangements, which could, the chief constable of the police service of Northern Ireland has told us, could lead to really serious paramilitary activity. Now, what should not be allowed in a democracy which is mature and sensible is straightforward lies to be told, unchallenged. And my continuing complaint about the BBC is it is still not doing its job. Its job is not to give equal time to the Farages, the Rees-Mogg's and the Goes telling lies and then to give equal time to people telling the truth. It is to call out the lies in the name of the truth and only allow a debate between proper fact-based opinions because otherwise we could go off the edge of a cliff and if we do go off the edge of a cliff all of those people who believe the lies are not going to say oh we all thought that this was the right thing to do. <laughs> they are going to say we were lied to and the BBC should be abolished because they allowed it to happen so you cut ca- this is not a game where you can as it were you know having lost it first time round, you can then rerun it if we do this wrong as a country it will be like those cataclysmic mistakes like not giving home rule to Ireland in the 1880s which led to a century of bloodshed and troubles in politics if you get big big things wrong and democracies can get things wrong then people pay in their lives their incomes what the impacts on their families for decades to come and that's why I and, and uh, others will continue hammering away at the BBC and the people whose job is to see that we have a
3: proper public debate at, at the moment in this country,
1: because at the moment we're not having it.
3: And, and don't underestimate the impact of Trump on this, because I think he has given license to this sense that that's what politics is like now. Yeah. Um, and, and because, you know, it's interesting in America, which is even more po- polarised, but there is a kind of substantial body of media now that literally spends yes. all its time exposing and calling out the lies we don't have that here we have it insofar as we have it it's kind of it's it's social media it's a bit of kind of think tankery but there's no sense of you know the climate change debate is the one for me you know nigel lawson can Mm. still get the 810 slot on the today Mm. program and he's there for balance i mean it's a nonsense Mm. but i think that's the nonsense that we're in and trump is making that
2: a whole lot worse okay who's next uh lady in the glasses at the back there minutes for these, haven't we? can you tell us your name as well
4: hi yes my name is becca um i hope this isn't too depressing a question but if the current crisis resolves itself in some way may manages to bully a deal through do you see another point in the process where we could have a people's vote and what do you see as the next steps for sort of pro-european campaigning um, going forward
3: Yeah, because there's gonna be loads of legislation and there'll be all sorts of opportunities yeah. To, yeah. to attach a people's vote. But, you know, don't, I, if she did manage to get something through, that, there will be, I think, for a, a kind of an awful lot of people will be saying, oh, thank God that's over, OK? But then as it quickly unravels, Ravels, absolutely. Yeah. I think then there'll be all sorts of opportunities. Mm. But yeah. the trouble is we will be out, uh, and that has consequences too. Mm. So that's why we've mm. got to try to stop that from happening. Can I say, if by... I don't think it will happen, actually, because I can't see the number... You know, LBJ
1: said that the first rule of politics is the ability to count. I cannot, at the moment, see how she can assemble a majority, because the DUP have said they're definitely voting against... There are 20 to 30 uh, certifiable cases amongst the ERG, and they uh, simply won't Be vote nice about the it, Be nice about them, Be nice about them. Principled men and
3: women. Uh, uh, <laughs> Principled uh, men and women. As,
1: as, as you heard <laughs> from me earlier, I don't do lies in politics. So, I mean, I think that combination is going to defeat it. However, if it were to... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) If it were to go through, I'm not giving up and I don't think most of those people who signed the six million petition are giving up and the reason we are not giving up is that it will essentially, essentially what will have happened is we will have been forced out of the EU in an undemocratic way without the people being able to have their say on the crucial terms of Brexit I've always been in favour of what Jacob Rees-Mogg said was the right democratic thing at the beginning which was the dual referendum one referendum to establish the principle about whether you want to have a go at this at this thing and the second when you could actually see the terms. Mm. So if we are forced out of the European Union by, let's say, a majority of three in the House of Commons, three years after a referendum, now that we can see the terms, without the people being consulted, I hope that my party, the Labour Party, and I hope that all of that 6 million that will become 10 million, that will become 12 million and so on, will campaign for a referendum to take us back in. And in this period called the implementation period, which is the 21 months which follow us, us leaving, we are still to all intents and purposes in the EU. This is the reason why they want to shorten that period if they possibly can. We're not in the legal um, uh, construct of the Council of Ministers and the European Parliament, but we're still observing European law and we won't have had any what they call regulatory dealignment. So it will be very easy for us to go back in and from the day after Parliament takes a decision by a majority of three or four to go out, I will be out there and I think many of you will be and I think probably the majority of the country will be once they see what the consequences are campaigning for the people's vote that we should have had before we were taken out in that 21 months so we can go straight back in again Amanda?
4: I mean apart from anything there's also the kind of assumption I think particularly in a lot of like MPs that she'll be able to bring this vote back for a fourth meaningful vote but I think Berka was quite clear like Good. unless something has substantially changed you literally can't do that so I think actually People need to hold the line on that one as well. Like, you literally should not be able to have one rule for her and a second rule for everyone else because that is just not how it works.
2: Absolutely bad. Okay, we're fast running out of time. So, can I take uh, one more? Um Difficult choice. Yes, we'll try and get two in. The, the lady there with the big grey top.
4: Hi, um, my name's Ilsa. I'm one of the EU27, the 3.6 million EU27 citizens that you were talking about before. Um, And we're also uh, pretty angry uh, at the moment about not having had a voice in the 2016 referendum, um, as I know a lot of Brits abroad are. Um, living in the 27 countries Uh, what should be the offer of political parties and specifically the Labour Party to us in the um, European Parliament elections where we actually can vote thank you
3: Mm. very good question
1: that's a really really (coughs) important point the 3.6 million will all have votes in the European Parliament (laughs) (laughs) election so what should you do you should vote only for candidates who will pledge to hold a referendum. And it you should be sh- very and simple. you should
3: have a vote in the referendum.
1: Yeah, and who say that you should have? Exactly right. And who say you should have a vote in the referendum? Who did you that, are a that? Huge the way, block. The,
3: who huge who, who? Which parties did back EU citizens having a vote? Did any? I can't remember.
4: Um, the the Liberal Democrats are campaigning for. No, for
3: did them. they in 2016?
4: Um, D- the I the don't SNP think I just can't did. remember. I think uh, the SNP—they uh, yeah, the SNP may have I done, think they
1: did, but yeah. there was there was no large body uh, of support. But that's what you should do because this is your moment of real leverage, uh, and of course also the uh, whatever it is—a million and a half Brits who who live on the continent too, a large proportion of whom don't have the vote because they've been there for more than 15 years, Uh, they also need uh, to exercise the same leverage and get a firm commitment. Because after all, the Tory manifesto last time said it would give the vote to Mm. that group. They didn't do it because they knew that reciprocally they'd have to give the vote to EU citizens who live here too. This is the moment to insist that both of those reforms are
3: carried through. There's a a lot of campaigning going already in relation, because what's going to happen with European elections if we have them, so I think five Labour MEPs are not standing, so the selections will be very, very interesting. Um, I think they're all women that are standing down, so that, that, presumably there'll be women who replace them, but then that list, uh, I, as things stand, I think m- all of the ones who are most likely to get elected are absolutely pro-Remain and absolutely pro-People's <coughs> Vote, but then the party generally, in terms of what's said in a manifesto, is gonna be incredibly important, and this is moment of maximum leverage. So any pressure you can apply, you apply it. Okay. And that one, is a very, very, I haven't really
2: thought of that. That's mm-hmm. a really big point. Yeah. One more really quickly. Uh, yes, sir.
0: Um,
2: just wait for your mic. <laughs> uh,
0: hi, my name's Joe. If um, Corbyn can't get a people's vote, should he resign? And if not, Tom Watson, who should take over?
3: Amanda. <laughs> <coughs> As a member of the Labour Party.
4: I, no, I left the Labour Party. Oh. Um, okay, so, so am I
3: the only one left? I'm in, in. You're still in, okay. Well, I mean,
4: I think it's uh, part of me thinks it's kind of the same problem that you kind of have on the Conservative side. I know we disagree on this. If you replace it with somebody different, you're still going to have a divided party. You're still going to have the chair of the Labour Party breaking the whip and not having any... Reprimands when actually loads of women have been made to resign from mm. the front bench, the shadow front bench. Just going to chuck that one out there. But I yeah. think, does it solve the problem? Honestly, like, probably not. The same advisers will be there, unelected advisers, yeah, sure chatting rubbish that. in people's ears. So I'm like a fan of Tom Watson, but even if he took over, I'm not going to suddenly rejoin the Labour Party. I'm not entirely convinced the job would be a lot easier. You'd just have Corbyn on the back bench voting against it.
3: No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that the other thing... Both the parties, I'm afraid, are involved, and the party leaderships are involved in actually being fundamentally dishonest with the British people about what is actually happening. The, the government is dishonest about this, the nature of this deal. So Theresa May will say to Labour, but it is a customs union. And she'll say to the E.I.G., yeah. but it's not a customs union. Mm. And she'll say to the hard Brexiteers, but it's hard Brexit, it's hard it's going to get. And to the soft Brexiteers, yeah, but it's soft Brexit. And likewise, I think with Jeremy Corbyn, this whole thing about a jobs first Brexit, it's not true. And they know that. And I'm glad that Unison and the GMB and other unions, it's just Unite and McCluskey, who, for whatever reason, which I don't get, are absolutely holding out for for Brexit, come what may, whatever the effect on jobs. But I think the Labour Party pressure is having an effect. Um, And I think that, you know, there's no doubt Jeremy Corbyn has some people around him, Seamus Mill, Andrew Murray, McCluskey, who I've mentioned, they they are hard left and they, you know, the posh boy revolutionaries, they hate the European Union for some reason. and I think it's to do with kind of the old politics of the left, mm-hmm. and very little to do with Europe. But I think that the, there are others. I think John McDonnell strikes me as somebody who, whatever people think about it, think about really, him, mm-hmm. really, 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 really wants Labour to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really, really, really want Labour to win, and you see up to a million people out in the streets, and you see guys like I out on the train yesterday, you say I voted Labour all my life and I, and I will never ever vote Labour again, or people like Amanda who left the party, or people like my missus who left the party because of Brexit and anti-Semitism. And the okay. other thing they need to be honest about is the reason Labour are not doing well in working class areas in the north has got very little to do with Brexit.
2: Yeah.
3: It's got to do with whether they look at Jeremy Corbyn and think that guy's a Prime Minister. That is what I hear in Burnley. It's not about Brexit. I get very little. This could be famous last words. I get very little grief <laughs> about Brexit. I get a lot.
4: you going to get so much now. <laughs> I get a
3: lot of grief. I get a lot of grief about what are you lot going to do about your party? Yeah. What are you going to do yeah. to sort out
1: Brexit? Can, can, can I end up on a note of dissension because I've got to stir this thing up all too much in one mind? I think Amanda and alistair have been really weak in this discussion over the last hour. They've constantly de- been defending second-rate leaders on the grounds we might get something worse. Now I do not think that Trump is a good idea. So when we did I defend? We, we him? Get, Any, you you said we be, m- Mrs. May. We've got to put up with her. Oh, I see, God right, knows okay. what might happen. Okay, if you want Boris Johnson. I, vote. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? When you've got somebody second-rate doing a job or bad doing a job, the best thing to do is to get them out and get somebody in who's half-good. You know, who half are you going to get? It, it doesn't. You then because pay attention to who matter. you're going to get. You've got to get. Them <laughs> you out. You can't elect the Tory leader. No, actually, I could name. I name. You can't elect the Tory leader. You see the debate. I do not think it's a great idea to have Trump there because we might have a the hun if he goes. At the end of the day, the first oh. thing to do is to get out the useless people and then you start the next big campaign no, which is no. to get somebody half decent in there. Well, and if you do that, then you will start. The, on, you on Labour start
2: possibly, but not on the Tories. Well, talking about getting rid of really useless
0: people, they're about to kick us out. So <laughs> <they> are, <yeah>.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: we're bloody
2: it brilliant.
0: We, <laughs> it's, it's weekly hun to Steve. It's traditional that we, we end the podcast with talking about the the here of the week. It's usually the worst Brexit of the week and we talk about stupid things that people the Brexit side have done or said and uh, a, a huge array of this obviously um, they give us so much material. Um, Roger Helmer are you familiar with a yes. guy called Roger Helmer he's an MEP he was famously pictured falling asleep in the EU Parliament while earning his money and he has instructed everybody uh, UKIP uh, uh, voters to uh, it's he said it's less than four weeks to go to the local elections I intend to go to the polling stations and write Brexit in big block <laughs> capital <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Across my ballot paper, which I think is fine with us, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely fine. Yeah. We <laughs> are all the Tories to do um, They will be fine. Nadine Doris, the fine author. Yeah, she I can't believe. spell. She can't spell the word Brexit. Uh, she right. was on Politics Live the other day. She said, "I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day, with things constantly changing around us." Is, <laughs> 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 I can't is she the only person who's not seen Groundhog Day? <laughs> 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 and then, of course, we've got uh, Mark <coughs> Francois, no, um, lovely, who lovely, is lovely. your uh, everybody's favourite. Yeah who the other day compared himself to Jesus, didn't he? He said, forgive them, Father, in the Commons. Forgive them, Father, I know... That they know not what they are doing and um, I know that there are numerous depictions of Christ in culture, mm. aren't they? But I don't ever remember like him <laughs> looking no. like Benny the Ball <laughs> out of Top Cat <laughs> <laughs> before. Um, so, so we normally talk about those and it's normally a negative but hopefully funny end to the podcast but a, a, a reader called Sally By asked us to do this, I think it's a good idea and she wanted you guys to name a, is that you Sally? So oh. you, you wanted sort hello, how are you? Um, and you wanted them to name um, a hero of Remain, a hero or heroine of Remain. I also think it would be good if you could say, if you could, somebody else asked this, if you could name a Brexiteer or a hard Brexiteer who you respect. Mm. So. Hero Donald Tusk. I think he has been absolutely wonderful his
1: a- endless tweets saying, take as much time as you like, we're not rattled, we're going to be statesman-like. I mean, that is what you expect of a British Prime Minister, and instead it's, it's the President of the European Council. Who is the Brexiter of the week? Always, week after week after week, it's Theresa May. She is the worst player on the pitch all the way through this. She is a ball of wool that every time she moves she unravels. And as she unravels, she does tremendous harm to the country. So I'm not defa- this idea that somehow we should become the Theresa May Defence Organisation, which has come out of some of my <laughs> oh. I think that is a terrible <laughs> idea. Wow. Get her off the pitch as <laughs> soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, so, obviously, mine's always going to be a little bit different. My hero for me would be, be uh, Shakira Martin, who's president of the National Union of Students, campaigned for Corbyn both times, like, was known, was kind of seen as like a figurehead black single mother from South London, really seen as like the what people want from Corbyn, and she's actually done a lot of stuff recently, which I think is quite brave given the current state of the Labour Party to say, I was wrong, I shouldn't have campaigned for him, Brexit is going to make my children's Ooh. life harder. She represents seven million students and she's really put herself out there to say, I was wrong to campaign for Corbyn and he's thrown away what he said he was going to do for me.
3: Um, I really, 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 really like Led by Donkeys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I yeah fair. I really <laughs> love Led by Donkeys. Like and 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 what I love about them, they, they remind me in the days when you know, I had a proper job. and They remind me of when the SAS. When were they? They remind me, <laughs> they <laughs> they remind me of the SAS. <laughs> they just decide to do something and they do it. That thing, that the projection they did on White Cliffs of Dover the other yeah. day. Wonderful, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They, they're doing st- uh, between these four walls. When does this go out? Uh, Probably tomorrow. Okay, Can't Mm, tell you. (laughs) 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 But there's stuff coming up this week that's (laughs) going to be really, really good. But I tell you what, what I love about them is that they're just four blokes who Mm -hmm. sat in a pub and thought, instead of just moaning about it, should we try and do something? And what they're doing is Mm. absolute genius. Just buying these one billboard in one place, dead cheap, few hundred quid, crowdfund, and then they're up there. Yeah, the and the way they trolled that to Farage March. The really. Farage March, yeah. they absolutely destroyed it. On the thing about, uh, there are actually some Brexiteers I quite um, respect, the ones who kind of, you know, I've, I've got a, s- a sort of shrink, little respect for Bill Cash, because I think he's never ever changed his mind about anything, I quite admire that in somebody. <laughs> but I'll tell you the other thing, and here, speaking now as the editor-at-large of The New European, oh. I think on the Brexiteer of the week, as well as doing the Marc Francois and all that, lo- that lot, we should have a weekly column of the former Brexiteers of the week. Because the people mm. I really like are the ones who come and yeah. tell me they've changed their mind.
4: Remainer an now. So and as yeah. and, uh,
3: so Remainer now have been yeah. very good. But I had a guy the other day, and honestly, he was almost in tears. And he, th- he came up to me and he, and he said, look, you're going to hate me for this. You're going to hate me for this. I really believed the £350 million. Pounds. Mm. I really believed it. I really thought this was a way to save the health service I really believe that and I can't believe how I fell for it I can't believe I was conned but you know so I think we should have more of those people Uh, that's an editorial instruction sorted
2: out (laughs) I was going to say I know a few news editors who you nearly had in tears a few times as well (laughs) Um, right well that was you need to prepare your yes this is how this podcast ends (laughs) (laughs) every week you You know that don't you
3: and I think we need to
2: really know the BBC. <laughs> Mr Campbell. I'm oh, uh, afraid this <laughs> have got his bagpipes. He's in there. <laughs> he's
1: going in there with them. <laughs> shall, we go, shall we go in there with the New Europeans? Yeah, definitely. And the Year? And the bagpipes.
3: What do you think? Shall we, shall we invade? Thank <laughs> you very much for
2: listening. Shall Thanks we invade or should we do it outside?
3: What should uh, yeah, we do? You go outside, for outside, You outside you,
2: really go go go. For you go for it, Alistair. I'll do
3: it. I'm going to entertain you lot. Entertain. Thank you very much for coming. This also happens to be the most beautiful anthem in the world.